Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 22. Make sure that if you have not done so already, you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Hop over to that YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button as we're trying to grow that as well. Uh, We greatly, greatly appreciate the support this year. And um, like I said, it's Season 3, Episode 22. I I think we got a couple of things to talk about in this one. I was trying to come up with an agenda what do we what do we talk about what's what's on your mind man yeah uh one thing dave didn't say about the youtube videos make sure you leave your comments on there um i know obviously we're going to talk about the national championship win uh god that feels great to say uh (laughs) we'll talk about the national championship win tonight and um the other thing is why we want the comments is Dave and I kind of take pride in, in not being Homerism. You know, we don't love to to just like <laughs> just coat, you know, ride on Michigan's coattails and be like, hey, everything they do is great. It's fantastic. I mean, this year it so happened to turn out that way. <laughs> it certainly seems like. But, you know, leave us those comments and we will comment back at you. Uh, you know, we'll get involved with everybody that's listening to the content and hopefully you guys are really enjoying it and one thing, Dave, from Monday night that I had to take away was um, we didn't have too many Washington fans come over to the page like we did with Alabama. So we know that the uh, the Alabama f- fans have a, have a larger following, obviously, than maybe Washington fans do. I'm sorry. Had, had a larger following. <laughs> Nick Saban, congratulations on your retirement. Breaking news, yeah. Um, Nick Saban retires tonight. Uh, but – but going into the Washington game, um, I was really, I was really hyped up. I was really about it, man. And then the game happens, and midway through the third quarter, I'm sick to my stomach. Michigan can't do anything. Um, and then what happens, Dave, in the fourth quarter? This team shows that they have the resolve, things that they've shown all year, things that we know leaders to do on this team, went out and did, and they finally shut the door without, you know, they were always going to give us a heart attack in that game, I felt like. Like, we can't ever have anything nice and easy for us. I mean, the last five minutes, sure, that was absolutely enjoyable, but the first, uh, you know, the first 55 minutes of that, it was sickening. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was like a roller coaster, really. It was. Uh, What were your emotions like, Dave? Loved like the first seven minutes and the last like four minutes, um, stressed out every, every second in between. Um, I want to, I want to make sure that, uh, that we really capture this moment right, right here, right now. Um, if you're listening on the YouTube channel, go ahead, hop into those comments. Like Brant said, let us know Michigan fans. What does this mean to you? What emotions were you going through in this game? Let us know. Hop in down there, man. This is camaraderie. This is a community, and this is what we do. Let us know. I'll tell you, Brant, what it was like for me. Um, and I'll just say this season, just in in, in general, um, really, I'll take it even further back. The tenure of Jim Harbaugh, 
the hype, the excitement around when he came here. Um, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, man, that first game against Utah. They don't win it. Um, some ups and downs, some bumps and bruises, trouble with the snap against Michigan State. Um, teams that we, we we thought were really good and they were really good. Like I think about the Jabril Peppers years, Rashawn Gary, the, you know, did, uh, did, did JT Barrett actually, you know, did they get that first down that year or not? Like, it just for so long we were we were living there, and then 2020 came, and they go two and four, and it's a COVID year. Everything's a mess. We're all craving football. Michigan looks awful. Um, I'm calling for Jim Harbaugh's head. Um, I think most Michigan fans are. Michigan did not do away with him. Maybe that's the one th- right thing Ward Manuel did. He he gives Jim Harbaugh a contract that says work for your money. Basically, it's incentive lace and. Brant, since then, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Michigan is 40-3 and three under Jim Harbaugh since, since that moment with only losses to Michigan State, Georgia, and TCU. And I can't even describe what Monday night was like for me. I mean, between the Alabama game and then coming and playing Washington, it was like, wow. Waiting since 1997 might as well have been since 1897 is what it felt like. And this is just a special, special team, um, a special moment in this program. Um, this is this is what your fans for, right? This is this is what sports fans cling to, what they hold on to, and what, what we all hope for. And they come around once in a very, very long while. Um, and Michigan got theirs this year. I personally will never forget this 2023 season. Um, I won't forget this team, the faces on this team, JJ, Blake Corum, Mikey Sainer still, Will Johnson, like the, the list goes on, Chris Jenkins, this O-line, like, man, this was such a well-oiled machine that just, it just came to fruition. And, you know, even in moments where, where I doubted them as, as a fan and, right up to the last minute, like in, in the Washington game, this team knew it all along. And, and you hear the, the, the talk of like, well, we're laser focused is one game at a time. And I get sick of, of hearing it sometimes like give me something else, but, but they really meant it. I mean, we can talk about the sign stealing, the cheeseburger gate, all the controversy this year with, with, with Jim Harbaugh, just, it never actually mattered. Um, you want to talk about sign stealing and is this tainted? Well, once the sign stealing, uh, came, came to came to light. Michigan went out and and their one four of their last six wins after that moment were against top ten opponents uh, in in Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, and Washington. So you tell me, you tell me who the best team in the country is. I, I think it's pretty clear. And I, I think if you ask most, uh, I don't even want to use the word haters. That's a little bit just over dramatic. But Michigan's biggest critic, in my opinion, nationally, has been Paul Feinbaum. And I don't even want to say his name on the podcast, but I'll say it. He's been the harshest critic on Jim Harbaugh, on this Michigan program, um, and, and has been for, for quite some time. Um, he came out and, and, and said himself, they asked him the question, so, Paul, do you feel like this one is, is tainted? Because those are the words that he, he used, that if Michigan won, they would be tainted. And he went on the record and said, no. I was I was wrong in saying that college football is a mess right now. When you look at everything across the landscape of college football, absolutely not. It's clear that Michigan is the is the best team in college football. Was there wrongdoing? 
Absolutely. Nobody's denying that. Um, but to, to, to question any type of legitimacy of this national championship is, is irresponsible. And, um, man, I'm just, I'm just soaking in this moment right now. Um, soaked it in with, with my kids all, all year to have all three of them here to be alive for, for, for this moment here, this 2023 season. Um, to have my my grandma Sally, the one the, the biggest supporters of the podcast when we launched this thing three years ago, to be able to call her, celebrate a, a, a national championship at at her age, ninety four years young, man, it is just a, a beautiful thing. Um, my 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 wife just phenomenal, just put up with me all year. The emotions, the highs, the lows, the locking in what we do every single Saturday to dial into Michigan football. Man, this is just what it's all about. I could go on and on and on, um, but it was an emotional one. Absolutely, absolutely emotional. Brant, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, it was clearly uh, awesome. I don't know why it was a little more emotional for the Alabama game. It just it, maybe because we hadn't been over an SEC hump. So it feels a little different that that felt like you slayed the beast that night and Alabama absolutely is a beast and it will continue to be a beast in anything and any program that wins the SEC, they are just go ahead and consider them a beast. I mean, um, and Dave, you touched on the sign stealing, the stuff like that, and, and that's fine. And like you said, there was wrongdoing there. And Michigan will pay their price. Like if you're a Michigan fan, don't fool yourself. There will be a price to pay. They're going to come ask for something. And, and, you know, Michigan fans until then will just have to be patient and listen to everybody talk their crap. And it is what it is. But you can hold up that banner and say, yeah, but we got this. And uh, Dave, to your point, I think if you ask any of the teams that they played, Michigan was more physical. They were better coached. And they were the better team anytime they laced them up. And – whether you whether you think um, going forward in the future that that will stay the same or not, twenty twenty three is in the books. That book is closed. That book has a bow on it, and Michigan was the best team. There there is no way around it. I do have a, a small message for if you're a Michigan State fan or an Ohio State fan or a fan of any other Big Ten team, maybe coming in Oregon, Washington, whoever. If you want to sit there and cry and moan about sign stealing, then that's your prerogative. I would just shut up and go to work. I mean, that would be the best thing that Ryan Day and his team could do. That's the best thing that Jonathan Smith could do is I don't want anybody talking about this because sour grapes is going to do you no good. Like Michigan got made fun of in the COVID year. They went two and four and Jim Harbaugh went to work and he retooled the staff and he absolutely got it right. He built his program back on what Dave, he built it back on physicality. He built it through the trenches and he, and he, he just went back to his roots. I mean, the speed and space was a disaster. And everything that goes along with that was a disaster. And honestly, Dave, like Ohio State could recruit dudes in the trenches. Like they could if they wanted to, but they don't. Like they, they don't have a need for that. They want the skilled dudes on the outside. And that's that's fine and all, but where has it gotten you the last three years? So Take a page out of Michigan's. I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing some people rip out of Michigan's playbook. I mean, everybody always wants to have a good defense, and don't let me put that on the sideline. Obviously, Michigan had a great defense, and teams are always dying to have great defenses. That's obvious, but not everybody is dying to run the ball for 300 yards in a national championship game. Nobody looks at that and goes, 
that that's the team I want to be. They kind of want to be the opposite of that. They want to be the Michael Penix and try to throw for 400 yards. And we saw how that ended up working out. And the, the one thing I will say about Michael Penix versus J.J. McCarthy was watch how Michael Penix walked off the field versus how J.J. McCarthy walked off the field. Michael Penix is a warrior, first of all. But, dude, he got absolutely slapped around and ragdolled by that Michigan defensive line. And there is no better symbol of how Michigan wins games than looking at those two completely opposite feelings as they walk off. Like, J.J. was celebrating, obviously, but, like, he was, like, not even hardly touched that entire game. And Michael Penix was absolutely beat through. He went through the ringer, and that's just a testament to how Michigan was built through the trenches. And that's why Michael Penix missed some throws. I mean, he missed some throws because he had all the pressure in his face all day. I mean, plain and simple. So to put a bow on the season, Dave, fantastic season, obviously. And I I don't know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. I know we'll get into it on the pod. I, I totally get that, but. As of now, Michigan fans, just rejoice. Don't try to look for too forward in the future right now. Just enjoy these moments. Absolutely. The last thing, and just my last thought on that, because you said a lot of things that were I'm like, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Um, Brent, you know, two years two years ago, I mean, truthfully, I, I, I was one of the biggest Jim Harbaugh doubters. I, I doubted, and, I, and I'm more than happy as I sit here um, in January of 2024 with the national championship, Michigan Wolverines. Feels pretty amazing. And I, uh, Jim Harbaugh, you are in my good graces. But I was the biggest doubter um, that this formula could work. Um, and it wasn't just Harbaugh's quirkiness. And we know that he's difficult to deal with. I mean, listen to the guy talk for two minutes. I mean, it doesn't doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like, man, he is just an, an odd guy. I, I doubted, as I think many people did, that this formula would work. Yeah, the speed and space didn't work. They went back to the Michigan roots, the ground and pound, the tough defense, the the low scoring games, and um, you know they got their five star quarterback, but uh, you know they, they they're not going to have JJ throw it for three or four hundred yards in a game. That's just not what they're going to do. And I was calling for it even the year of Cade McNamara, twenty twenty one. Like put JJ in, like this unlocks another level to this offense and this and that. And and you know what? All along, yeah, J.J. McCarthy is a big reason why this team is where they are. There's a reason that kid's only lost one one game in his uh, entire career at, at Michigan. But it's so much bigger than J.J. McCarthy because um, this – Jim just – he did it his way. He did it the, the, the Michigan way, as annoying as that may be to some people. Um, I, Brand, I think you're spot on when you say – you're going to see some program programs taking a, a, a page out of this book. And and you, you look at the national champions over the last several years and um, defense tends, t- tends to win out here. You know, whether that's Bama or whether that is uh, Georgia, who, who has absolutely done it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I'm not saying they don't have the flashy plays on, on offense and Bama and, and all of that. But, but truthfully, I think you're going to see th- this type of brand of football be something that is, um, you know, it's going to be ingrained moving forward. And when I look at Michigan's roster, Brant, the stars, I, 
I got hung up on recruiting for a long time. Yeah, you and did. The last, the last thing that I'll, that I'll say about this program, and because I, I want to eat my words, trust me. Um, but you know what? You want to know how many five stars I can think of that are on this national championship team? I can think of like two and maybe three. If, uh, you know, uh, clearly Will Johnson was your five-star cornerback. Sure as heck plays like it. Love to have that kid. Um Donvin Edwards and JJ McCarthy were both five stars at at, at one point. Um, their ratings changed; they dipped it a, a little bit. I don't remember where they ended up, but let's call it three five stars at at most. Um, everybody else, three and four stars. And as Blake Corum put it in the post game uh, conference, he cut Jim Harbaugh off and he said, "It's a blue collar football team," and uh, and he's exactly right because they they did it their way. Um, they don't, you know, they don't need the Maserati Marvs and all the, the flashiness that you get with some of these guys. And that's no shot at him, but that's how other programs are doing it, man. They're it's, uh, it's not NIL anymore. So stop calling it that it's pay to play. That's what most of these programs are doing. And, and, and Michigan has done it their way to much to my criticism and dismay at, at, at times where I'm like, man, get with the times they've been with the times and their formula worked. And, and you're right. You put a bow on this. You celebrate it. You enjoy this with family and friends. Um, these national championships are hard hard to come by. And uh, th- this 2023-24 season with Team 144 is going to be one that I'll never forget. Dave, before we move on, three rapid-fire questions for you. Is Jim Harbaugh coaching this team in 2024? 2020, yeah, five. I don't believe so. Okay. I, I, I don't believe so. What's your, okay. your next question? Because I know we'll get into those in later podcasts. Is J.J. McCarthy quarterbacking this team in 2024-2025? As of right now, I'm, I would say yes. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of X factors in this, but um, I, I think J.J. McCarthy could benefit from one more year at Michigan. Okay, I'm going to go yes with you on that one. I'm going to say yes on the hardball as well. I think he's there. The third question, the third and final question, Dave. Are they going to give Connor Stallions a national championship ring? <laughs> Let's have some. You know, fun. Uh, if Harbaugh's on his way out and just signed like with the with the Chargers or something, he may just have a little extra ring in there and, and give it to Connor Stallions and may make that public just as he he leaves on his way out as a final message to the NCAA. I just feel like that would be so epic and fly in the face of everybody. And Dave, I know we're going to move on, but you mentioned the pay-for-play thing, and people act like that's not cheating because that is against the bylaws. But apparently nobody cares about that because players apparently don't change what the results on the field, but, but sign-stealing does. Okay, that's all I wanted to touch on before we move on, but fantastic. Dude, and, and okay, the very last thing, I know we keep <laughs> saying that, but you notice the difference between a program like, and it's probably because Ohio State is obviously the arch rival, but Ohio State fans, when they talk about this, or even Michigan State fans talking about the, the sign stealing and the tainting and all of this and that, it's like all I've heard about. Do you want to know who I haven't heard that from? Alabama. Anybody from the SEC. From Georgia. Anybody from the SEC. Nobody. And in fact, anything that leaks from that whole thing is like, you kidding me? Like, no. Everybody's doing this stuff. Yep, exactly. Like, not even a batting an eye at it. But uh, go ahead, um, rivals, and and not all rivals, not all Spartans by any means, and not all Buckeyes by any means. But uh, yeah, 
cling to it. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you sleep good at night, I'm going to order my national champion t-shirt and I'm going to enjoy it. Brant, I don't know if you have heard, but Kelly Stafford is coming to town and her husband, Matthew, quarterback (laughs) of the LA Rams for the Lions first home playoff game in 30 years. My wife let me know that she will be in town for this, and uh, good for them. Good, good for them. Um, and all jokes aside, I mean, I, I said two weeks ago, I I could see this coming. I think many people could. Like, yep, this is destiny is is calling, and Matt Stafford and L.A. Rams are absolutely going to be the team that they're going to play. Um, and I, and I've dreaded it just because it has nothing to do against Stafford. I know I make jokes and all that. It's just the storylines, the, you know, do we do a tribute video? How will fans react? Like I, man, miss me with all of that. Not the time, not the place. So help me God, if they play a Matthew Stafford tribute video in this first home playoff game and people get emotional about number nine coming back into town, like, nope. Save that for a regular season game. This is not the time. Um, it's time to shed some blood. You made it here. You're 12 and five. Dan Campbell is going to play his starters, and and you know whether they get hurt or not, he, he's just that's what Dan's going to do. And uh, yeah, you lose Sam Laporta, huge loss against the Vikings. Sucks. I absolutely hate to see that for this team. Um, but Brant, I really want to focus in on this Lions and Rams matchup. The Rams are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. I believe they've won eight of their last nine games. Uh, Cooper Cup, healthy. We know Puka Nakua breaking rookie uh, receiving records. Obviously, you know Matt Stafford. If you don't know the name Kyron Williams, rookie running back, he's been an absolute stud there. Um, the defense is a, is average, I would say, at, at, at best. But I want to really get into some of the nooks and crannies of, of this matchup here. And, and Brant, I want to start with what what do you like? So this is going to be a two-part two segment here. What do you like about this matchup for the Lions? Where are you noticing some advantages? And what don't you like about this matchup? I hate the fact that this team just gave up 200 yards to Justin Jefferson. And now we're expecting to stop Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Matthew Stafford. It makes me think that the Rams and Sean McVay will have a game plan dialed up that has Matthew Stafford throwing the ball 35 to 40 times, and they're going to go reckless abandon, and that worries me about this defense. I am certainly concerned about the secondary in this game. Nick Mullins threw two touchdowns on you last weekend. That's got me concerned. Like, I I am absolutely worried that this thing turns into a shootout um, because on the flip side of this, I like Detroit's offensive line against the Rams' defensive line. I like their running game against the, uh, against the Rams here. Uh, Aaron Donald is still there. He is still a fantastic player. However, it's one of those deals where he doesn't have all of the running mates that he used to. You are going to be able to move the ball on the ground, I believe. Um, it's going to come down to can Jared Goff stay in there, make the throws he needs to make, play cool as a cucumber, not give the Rams the ball, 
and can he be clutch in the clutchest of moments? Dave, I'll get to the line in the betting segment, but I just have a feeling that late in the fourth quarter, Lions fans are going to be very sweaty, along with Rams fans are going to be very sweaty because this thing is going to be tight throughout. This is this is a major, and, and Dave, I would like to also say this about the disadvantage, I think. Sean McVay has a major coaching advantage in this game, a major one. Dan is still learning how to how to manage games a little bit. And I think Sean McVay knows exactly who he is and he knows exactly what he does on every single analytic that he has. Dan feels like he doesn't have any analytics except for go for it. Like that feels like the analytics and God love him for it. And people do love him for it. But in games like this, when you're on your own 48 yard line and it's a tie ball game late in the third quarter, Maybe it is best to punt. Maybe it is best to, on fourth and four, go ahead and punt that one. Like, I I, I could see decisions like this where Sean feels very comfortable with what he has. His team knows what to expect. And and they've been there for years, and they're going to go in there and do this thing. Dan's first postseason game, Dave, I know what you're going to say. I don't want him to change who he is. I get that. I know where you're going with this. But I think that sometimes you've got to just – Put your ego aside a little bit and do what's best for the entire team. And I think that Sean McVay has a major advantage in this game. Yeah, I think Sean McVay has a huge advantage in this game as well, just based off experience alone. He's been here. He's a a Super Bowl champion, been to a couple of different Super Bowls. I mean, coaching advantage absolutely goes to the Rams. That's no slight to Dan Campbell. He just hasn't been here before. Brant, you're right. You know how I feel about the. It's not even that I. Yes, I do want Dan to make smart, calculated moves, but also maintain his identity and who he is, because I think that's who his players know him to be. Like he's gonna go for it in moments. You're like, oh god, like what are you, what are you doing? I don't see him changing that. Like maybe, maybe one time in the game, we're like, oh wow, he's actually gonna punt the football, or he's actually gonna do this. I just don't – I don't have anything on Dan's resume since he's been here that shows me that he's about to change what he's been like for the last three years and is going to start playing – I don't even want to say conservative, but just more calculated. I think he's going to be in the moment, and I think if it feels right to him in that moment, I think he's going to he's going to go for it and he's going to do what he wants to do. And look – you live and die by a coach like that. You just do. Um, he could be celebrated as an absolute hero for having the, you know, the guts and and hopefully celebrating the the glory, or he's gonna f- fall on that sword. And people are gonna be like, I don't know if we can win with this guy. I don't know. We can win regular season games, maybe because this is this could be the narrative. If he makes some miscalculated decisions here that cost them. The storyline is going to be, after this great season and the excitement, people are going to be talking about, well, but Dan, is he just the rah-rah guy, like the culture guy during the regular season? Like, can he actually out-coach these guys who have been there before? Excuse me. Um, I I just, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, coaching advantage right now goes to, to, to Sean McVay. Um, 
I love the running game for the Lions. I think that they've got an absolute, and that's their bread and butter. I love their O-line against the Rams D-line. Yes, they've got Aaron Donald. They've got a rookie in there, too, next to Aaron Donald, who's been really good. He's also playing next to Aaron Donald. Um, but outside on the edges, those guys are nobodies. And I think you you got to utilize a running back like Jameer Gibbs here, get outside the the tackles. And, you know, whether they're throwing him the football, which they have not done a lot lately, or stretching him outside, I just think that there's a there's a major advantage there. Um, I also think Amon Ross St. Brown's going to have a heck of a game. Um, it's going to hurt to not have Sam Laporta for blocking and for, uh, obviously, receptions and just his playmaking ability. But I think Amon Ross St. Brown is can have a can have a huge day here. And as a matter of fact, I think Jared Goff is going to have a huge day. That's that's my prediction here. I think that Goff is. I don't want to say he has more to play for than 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 Stafford in, in this game. But while while the story will be on Stafford coming back to Detroit, let us not forget that Jared Goff was the outcast from the LA Rams that had a very ugly sort of breakup and came and had to kind of restart and rebuild himself here in Detroit. People didn't want him here. It was a matter of waiting him out till this contract was up to figure out what direction you go from here. And as time has gone on, Jared Goff has been winning. He has. And and I think that this game is personal to him, um, personal in a different way. It's personal for Matthew Stafford because of the his 12 years here and, th- and what he accomplished and just the memories and all of that. Jared Goff is like, oh, I got the Rams at home in Ford Field and this place is going to be absolutely pumping. And I, I love my guys that I'm, I'm throwing it to. I love my guys I'm handing off to. And I absolutely love my offensive line. I think Jared Goff is going to actually have a great game. That's just just my prediction. The Rams, their offense scares scares me. Matthew Stafford worries me. I do not want this game to be a one score game um, late and and have him with the ball with a uh, with a minute to go or forty seconds to go, and and they've got to take it down the field. I, I don't want to be in that position. Of course, that worries me. That's what Stafford does best. Um, their, their wide receivers are really good. Their running game is really good. Um, I do think that the running game and what I would pay attention to is Kyron Williams. I think that we know that Stafford's going to want to air it out and he's going to take his shots and, and he's going to connect on, on some throws. I mean, we've seen the Lions secondary, right? Even with CJ Gardner Johnson back and, and all of that. We know what the secondary is and, and, and it ain't elite by, by any means. I do believe that if you can make this Rams offense somewhat one-dimensional and and contain the run game, contain Kyron Williams, keep them to a second and eight, to a third and seven, you you know anything like that, I think it's advantage Lions. And I think that shutting down the run game or at least containing it is going to be critical because if you make that offense one-dimensional and you make Matthew Stafford beat you um, – I like the Lions' chances if their backs are are up against the wall and they can't move the ball on the ground. So um, I do think that, and I'm going to pour a little bit of optimism in this cup here because I know, and trust me, Lions fans, I'm worried too. I am. I'm not beating the table like, this is it. You're about to go out there and smoke the Rams and Goff's going to throw for 400 yards because it's personal. That's not what I'm saying. I think he's going to be absolutely good enough and and I think that the Lions are the better football team. Um, I think what it comes down to, and Brant, you you hit the nail on the head, is 
it could come down to coaching and that may worry some people and and rightfully so if you're a, if you're a lions fan from a talent standpoint from the guys on the 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 roster i like the lions a lot better than the rams the rams are hot right now they're one of the hottest teams in the nfl if not the hottest and they've been here before so yeah there's reason to be concerned i like the lions in this spot though i really think that they this is going to be the last time, most likely, that this coaching staff is intact the way it is. Um, I mean, Aaron Glenn may, may be back. Um, I know he's taken some some interviews, and, man, it seems like every day the coaching carousel is just – seems like there's openings everywhere. Pete Carroll gone today. Um, so, so, so who knows? But Ben Johnson almost seems like an afterthought at this point. Like, he seems all but gone, and, and congratulations to him, whether he ends up in Carolina or elsewhere. That's great for him. Um, but I think that they, they know this. I think this coaching staff knows it. I think the players know it. And this is not a, a one shot at this thing, right? Like to Brad Holmes credit, he's built this thing to last, but I do think from the, the coaching staff and the players in this locker room, I think that they know how important this is. And when they step foot out, out in that field, it's going to be nothing short of absolute insanity out there. And, and I, I think the lions get it done. Brant, you have any other thoughts? No, Dave, I mean, you touched a little bit on when you said insanity. I'm assuming you mean the crowd noise, and um, it is going to be absolutely electric. Uh, Sunday nighter, um, kind of kind of an interesting time slot after uh, Michigan fans just got done watching uh, on Monday night until midnight, and then you turn around and probably have to stay up till midnight on Sunday uh, to catch the end of the Lions game, but... Um, that atmosphere is going to be absolutely bananas, and I think that's going to be one of the one of the major stories here is how do this how does this Rams team get through some of that noise, get through some of that um, silent count if they have to do that. Uh, it, it just seems like that could throw a little bit of a wrench into what they want to do. And you touched on Kyron Williams. Um, their running game is not just good; it's great. Uh, and, and it came kind of out of nowhere with him and that the dude is electric and it is probably one of the most improved um, units in all of the NFL right now is what they started with to where they are right now. It, it's like, it's amazing what Sean McVay has done with that. The last thing I'll say about the Dan Campbell situation and Dan Gamble and all of this stuff, I don't want him to change who he is either, Dave. I really don't. I, I want him to be at the core who he is, and I hope he does. And and for whatever reason, it feels like we always get crushed on a Lions video from the comments about you guys don't care about the Lions, whatever. I, I'm telling you, I don't want Dan Campbell to change, but I don't need to see some sort of crazy – no fake punt, please, like in your own zone. Like that's not something that I think in a tight game like this, in a postseason game – that will be uh, advantageous for your team. I just don't want to see the reason that this team loses their shot is because of Dan. Um, so, so that's the last thing I'll say on that. Lions fans, do us a huge favor right now. If you're if you're listening on on YouTube to this, hop into that comment section. Let us know what you think. What do you think of of Dan Campbell and his ability to to uh, out coach or or to stay on par coaching with Sean McVay, um, the Stafford, the golf storylines, all of that? Hop in those comment sections. Let us know what you think. All right, Dave. Let's. All right, take Brant. A, oh, go ahead. Yeah, take take me. No, I was going to say take us into the bets. I I know we've got some awesome NFL playoff games this weekend. 
Yeah, let's start right there with the Browns and Texans Saturday afternoon. Um, Joe Flacco making his triumphant playoff return, heading down to C.J. Stroud and the, and the Houston Texans. Texans getting two and a half at home. This is an interesting football game, Dave. I'll take so the Texans are plus two and a half. You said I don't have them in front of me. Okay, um, I, I'll take the Texans plus two and a half, and this is why um, quickly because I'm not going to hit on every single game like this. Um, I just think the Browns' defense is is awesome. It's the it's the strength of of, of this team. They could give C.J. Stroud nightmares. It's very very possible. This feel good story as well um, for the Texans and D'Amico Ryan's first year. All of that. Um, I just feel like. The other feel good story, if it makes you feel good, the Joe Flacco, like I'm, you know, 45 years old and they pick and he's falling asleep during the games and all of that stuff. I just feel like, yeah, they've been winning. And I know that um, I, I just feel like it's coming to an end. I think it's coming to an end real soon. And it's, it may crash and burn. Um, could be a low scoring game. I expect it to be. But I like the Texans at home, man. Those folks in Houston are going to be electric in there. From from where that team just was to where D'Amico Ryans took them this year in an indoor environment, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty crazy in there. I'll take uh, the inexperienced C.J. Stroud in Houston Texans. What about you? I'm a man of my word. I am not a Michigan homer. I like C.J. Stroud. I like this Texans team. I like them with the two and a half at home. Give me the Texans. Um, Dolphins heading to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, you know how he is in the playoffs. Just an absolute dog. They are favored by four at home, Dave, against the Dolphins. I don't know if Jalen Waddle's playing. I think he might still be up in the air. Yeah, um, I, I, I will take the Dolphins plus four. I do think the Chiefs win this game. I don't love that line with it being at four points. Um the one thing I'll say about the, the the Dolphins is I think they peaked too early. I mean, I remember they were dropping 70 points early on in the season. I mean, the offense is absolutely electric, but it seemed to me like they peaked too early. They lose Bradley Chubb. They lo- Like on the defensive side, they've had injuries. We don't know about Jalen Waddell. Um, I, I don't – the Chiefs don't worry me, concern me. It is, it is playoff Patrick uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I – I, I think that they get it done, but I don't think that this Dolphins team, how they're currently con- constructed and where they're at at this point in the season, have enough to get it done. What about you? God, I bet the Dolphins just wish the playoffs would start like six weeks sooner. Like, <laughs> they cannot make it through a season staying healthy. So, for that reason, give me the Chiefs at home to cover the four. I just don't think that the, uh, the Dolphins have enough firepower at this uh, current time. Um, Steelers at Bills, probably a snoozer. Bills favored by 10. Who do you like? I will take the Bills to cover 10 points. And I don't think the Bills are that great. I mean, their defense is peaking at the right time. Josh Allen is is turnover prone. The Steelers suck. I don't really know (laughs) another way to say it. Like, I don't know why they're in the playoffs, how they're in the playoffs, but they they are. They've won games. Congratulations, Mike Tomlin, on keeping the winning season streak alive. But um, enjoy your wild card berth and uh, enjoy watching the playoffs from home the next weekend. What about you, Brant? The Steelers do suck, but give me the 10 points. Um, 
I could see them losing by seven to nine, I guess. Um, all right, Packers heading down to Dallas. This is the Sunday afternoon game. Uh, Dallas favored by seven and a half. Um, I, I'll take the Packers plus seven and a half. I do think the Cowboys win. I think the Cowboys are actually a, a, a very sneaky good team this year. Maybe not s- sneaky. I mean, they won the NFC East. They've had their their bumps and bruises a- along the way. But um, you know this uh, this Packers team. I, I I didn't think that they'd make the playoffs. I mean, congratulations for them and Jordan Love for for doing so. I don't think they're there yet. I do think, and I'll, I I will say this. I think Matt Lafleur is a is a very good coach, um, arguably a, a better coach than than Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach. I think that that's going to be interesting from a coaching standpoint. Um, but I just I don't think that the Packers are there yet. I think that they can I, I think they can keep it within seven points. Um, but I don't love if it's at uh you know just north of that. So um, I. For the Cowboys, anyway. So I'll take the Packers with the points, but I, I do think the Cowboys get this done at home. What about you? Cowboys at home, I think they roll. I don't think it's that close. I will take them to cover the number seven and a half. Um, let's do the Eagles and Bucks before we do the Lions. So Monday night game, Eagles traveling down to Tampa Bay because of the division situation there. Um, Bucks getting three at home against a pretty struggling Philadelphia team. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I I am going to take the Bucks here with plus three. Um, I don't know. Maybe the this almost seems like a pick'em game to me, which seems bizarre to say. Um, the Eagles have fallen drastically. Uh, I think AJ Brown is is dinged up as as well, and I don't know how Baker Mayfield and the and the Bucks are here, but but they are, and they've got the home game. The Eagles do not. Uh, and man, I'll, I'll be pulling for the bucks. I love that. They're getting points at, at, at home, you know, similar to the Texans. What about you? I think this is a Baker Mayfield Super Bowl game. Like, I feel like this is a Monday night. This is all set up for him. I oddly enough think he plays well enough to win this game. Like I am with you, Dave. I know we've been basically opposite on everything else, but I will ride with you on this one. I think the Buccaneers, can do enough to win this game, if not lose by less than three, I guess. So give me the Bucks as well. All right, Lions, let's end on them. Let's talk about the the Rams, Stafford traveling back to Detroit. Lions favored by three. The line is a little icky for me. I don't love it. Um, this feels more like a pick 'em to me, like you just said about the Bucks Eagles. What do you what do you like about this number? And would you bet on it? No, I would not bet on this game. I do not. I wouldn't stand far from this line. Um, that being said, I mean similar to what I said in the in the Lions segment just a bit ago. I, I'm I'm riding with the Lions here. I I, I am. I, I will take them to cover because that's what we're doing the segment for. And I think that uh, this is going to be a very very close game. It's going to be back and forth. I don't expect this to be super crazy high scoring, like I think a lot of people are um, potentially just with the you know the potential of these two offenses and defenses that aren't great um, by any means. But 
let's remember it is the playoffs and that doesn't happen a ton where you have shootouts in the, in the playoffs. So um, I think that the, the lions get a gutsy win at home. Maybe they win by four points. Um, we'll, we'll see. I guess I'll, let me, let me throw out my, uh, my, my prediction here. I'm going to go 30, 24 lions scary at the end. Stafford gets the ball at the end with a chance to, score a touchdown and win this game, but the Lions get it done. Aiden Hutchinson, man, game-winning play, Stafford in the dirt, Lions win 30-24. That's my prediction. What about you, Brent? So you just picked the over as well because I don't know if you know this or not, but it was the highest over-under of the weekend. It was at 51.5, and, um, and you obviously went over. So uh, good for you. I am also going to take the over. <laughs> I didn't realize, sorry to cut you off, I didn't realize that that's what it was what it said yeah. at. I haven't looked 50, at it. 51 okay. and a half. It was the highest of the weekend that I noticed. Um, Dave, I'm taking the Rams in the spot. Uh, I don't know if I would, I would take the money line either way. Like right now, I just, I just feel like the three points with the Rams would be the smartest play. And Lord knows I got to give out the best picks. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just pick the lions because I think, you know, that's, the right, I think the best thing to do is to just, just think this thing's going to be so close. And if you can get three points in this spot, you take the three points. This, it, Don't bet it. I'm not going to bet it. I will not. I know you won't. You already said you will not, but stay away from this one. Just enjoy the game as a Lions fan. If you want to bet on anything, if you want to bet on anything this weekend, I think bet on Amon Ross St. Brown to score a touchdown because that dude is pissed that he is not a pro bowler. And I couldn't believe it when I got the news, Dave. I was shocked. He has had a fabulous year. He's a fabulous player. And it is an embarrassment that he was left home from from the Pro Bowl. So I like him to score for sure. All right. On that note, thank you for sticking with us. If you're if you're still sticking with us here on Garage Takes, season three, episode twenty-two. Make sure if you have not done so already, you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Hit us up on that YouTube channel. Be active there. Subscribe, comment, talk a little trash, uh, agree, disagree. That's what it's all about. That's what uh, that's the beauty of sports. But um, hopefully, like I said on the last podcast, I said next time we talk, I hope we're talking about the Michigan Wolverines as the national champions. And I spoke that into existence. And so I'm going to speak this into existence as well. Hopefully on season, season three, episode 23, we're talking about the Lions advancing to the divisional round, likely playing the Cowboys. We'll see. Till next time, we'll see you guys. Powered by Riverside.